on today's episode of Survival Dispatch News, we're discussing prepping for urban survival. Today's episode of Survival Dispatch News is brought to you by Nutrient Survival. And we're back, and we've got Chris from ammo.com. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Oh, Chris, it's a pleasure. I'm so glad to be here on the Survival Dispatch podcast. It's, it's awesome. Uh, I love being this, and I love talking preparedness and all things ammo. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So let, let's just go ahead and jump right in. I know that you've got some some products that are part of your kit uh, prepping for urban survival. Uh, let's talk water first. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the rule of three, you know, we hear about this in the preparedness community all the time. You know, you can survive three minutes without air, three days without water and three weeks without food. I'm going to say those are going to be a rough three days without water. And I think that in urban survival, taking care of your water situation is incredibly difficult because you've got less square footage to work with. If you live in like an apartment or a townhome, something like that in the middle of the city, you don't have a shed where you can go stick your 55 gallon drums of water out uh, into you really just, you have to work with what you have. And so I got a couple ideas for you. If you've been thinking about like, how am I going to handle water in a situation? If you know, things go down, uh, maybe it could be civil unrest. We had, you know, the riots a couple of years ago, the whole right. Chaz, Chaz and chop thing. Uh, that was an SHTF situation for those people. And, you know, in those types of situations, having your water ready to go is a great way to do it. But if you don't, uh, one thing I like to just to have on hand here, uh, this is a water bob. It fits in your bathtub. Uh, so trying to use things that, you know, maybe you won't have thought of uh, for water storage. This fits in your bathtub. You can fill it up uh, and then you don't have all that soap scum and grime and stuff like that getting in contact with your drinking water, which is the last thing you want. So what's uh, one of those water bobs cost? I think they're like 20 bucks. I mean, they're really affordable. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I'm going to show you today is incredibly affordable, not something that you're going to have to, you know, really drop half your paycheck on to get a hold of. Uh, And then, you know, one thing that uh, I think is another great addition to any kit uh, for urban survival is one of these. Uh, Now, this is like 10 bucks, right? This is what we call a seal cock key. On the outside, a lot of buildings, uh, you'll see those little spigots that don't, don't have like a nozzle that you can turn. It doesn't have a handle. And you're like, how do I get a hold of the water in that? Well, you use one of these to do it. Uh, and this is another untapped resource that I think a lot of people don't think of when you're in urban survival situation uh, is being able to harvest water from the environment. There's a lot of water stored in these large apartment buildings, in uh, office buildings, all different types of areas where you could potentially maybe go ahead and, you know, harvest some of that in an emergency situation so you don't dehydrate uh, and die. Obviously, we want to make sure we get through. Yeah, so that's really interesting, Chris. Um, we pulled the Survival Dispatch audience uh, earlier in the year just asking questions with regards to what type of content they wanted to see. And wasn't surprising that 54% of the Survival Dispatch audience said, we'd like more information on urban survival. And mm-hmm. The reason I say it's not surprising is 83% of Americans live in cities, live in urban areas. And then the next level down, like when we drill deeper into our audience, a lot of requests for how do we uh, deal with an SHTF event, whether it's, you know, something on the lower high end, you know, it could be Mm -hmm. nuclear war on the high end, but like you said, it could be civil unrest on the other end, whatever the case may be, all sorts of variations in the middle. Oh, yeah. was was what do you do when you live in an apartment we yeah. we've had that question posed a number of times so the water bob you know is a great idea 
The seal caught key, another great idea that not everybody's aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. So uh, appreciate you bringing those up. Uh, I know you have some other water-related products. Yeah, I'm big on the water thing because uh, I live in the suburbs, so I'm not completely urban, but still it's like I don't have a running river nearby. I've got like a retention pond, which isn't going to be the necessarily the best water, but I want right. to be able to purify it if I have to. Uh, so having like in your kit, just like a mini filtration system, this is a, uh, a Sawyer Mini. Uh, I know you guys have a different system on your store, which I think looks awesome as well because it's very economical, easy to put in light. You can attach it directly to a water bottle. So you can just scoop up that water wherever you find it, put your filter in it, and you can have fresh water on demand when you need it. Uh, and even, you know, something as cheap as like a, a life straw. I know there's some controversy around this company, but I had it. Uh, so I wanted to bring it just as a, a thing. There are lots of different, you know, direct inline filters that you can get for your kit that you can just carry on your person in a disaster situation. This has a little lanyard on it. Just put it around your neck, put it on your shirt. No one knows you have it. And you've got water on demand if you need it. And it's a whole lot better than just drinking dirty water. That's a good way to get cholera, dysentery, uh, or, you know, crypto. That's, that's a bad time. Absolutely. I mean, we speak fairly frequently to our audience um, that getting home is probably more relevant than bugging out. You know, most people don't have somewhere to bug out, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, there's probably like a short period of time if you have a major event where people are confused, not entirely sure of what's going on, that you could leverage that time to get out of Dodge. But once everybody's kind of aware of what's going on, you're going to have gangs and marauders and all kinds of stuff going on. And if you leave at that point in time, you're probably just going to be, be mugged, robbed, potentially killed sort of thing. Um, so, you know, the water stuff that you've mentioned that our, our position is really is that you have a get home kit in your vehicle and average American works 16 miles from home. But some people can get home sooner than others. But if you ha- say had a really comprehensive 72 hour bag in your vehicle and you know you can walk home in eight, nine, 10 hours, you can ditch a whole bunch of it yeah. and just just take what you you know feel is absolutely necessary uh, to get that leg over and done with as far as getting home rendezvous with your family. But uh, so we same thing. We we believe strongly, whether it's a life straw or whatever the brand is, having something mm-hmm. like that to use your kit excuse me, carry that than it is to carry bottles of water. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, this weighs a couple ounces. Whereas if you got a full camelback full of water, I mean, that's pounds. And in the backpacking world, the the term is ounces equal pounds. Uh, And so the more weight you can cut out of your bag, the faster you're going to be, the faster you're going to get home, the more maneuverable you're going to be. So you can avoid potential situations like you're talking about, like gangs, marauders, things like that. It won't take long for these criminal elements to kind of figure out okay, it's open season, you know, there, there's no power, there's, you know, the police aren't coming, whatever it is, whether emergency services are overwhelmed, or it's like you talking about a worst case scenario, like EMP, something like that. Uh, they're going to take that and capitalize on it. And yeah. you need to be as quick as you can to get home and get back to your castle. So you're ready to go. Absolutely. Yeah. I, again, we, we preach it frequently. Oh, yeah. Having a GHB, a get home bag is probably more relevant, more important than having a bug out bag. When you don't have anywhere to bug out to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. There's this whole, I, I love this myth we have in, in the, the prepper community. Sometimes it's like, you know, the lone wolf, you know, survival with the dude in his backpack out in the woods going, you know, all Rambo style. And, and the truth is you can do it, but man, you got to have a lot of training. And I know that for me as a father and, you know, 
doing stuff here at ammo.com and with you guys, uh, it's like, I don't have time to get out in the bush, you know, every weekend and work on my bushcraft and things like that. That's going to be a really hard way to do it. Uh, and if you have nowhere to go, it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to pick a direction on the map and just go for it. Uh, it seems like a rough idea. Tough question to answer. And then there's really yeah. no, you know, answer that applies to everybody. Everybody's situation is kind of unique. For so sure. um, in addition to say water, let's just say, you know, we're talking, you know, that average American who works 16 miles from home. Mm-hmm gonna want water whether it's you know a matter of hours or even a day to get home but since you brought the topic up of gray man principles and whatnot uh, what are your recommendations as far as somebody protecting themselves i mean even during that initial phase when the bad guys aren't 100 percent sure of what's going on i kind of feel like as soon as somebody sees one crime that people are going to notice yep. that nobody came. You're your mm-hmm. own first responder. And at that point, all hell is going to break loose. No, I agree with you completely. I think it's once that initial you know, event happens and people are like, oh, I can start looting or I can just go whatever, get whatever I want. It's not going to take long before people are going to say, oh, I can prey on other people. And it's a sad state of affairs, but it is what it is. Having personal protection is incredibly important. And you know, having the right tool for the job is incredibly important as well. So I would kind of cut these into two different things. So if we're going to talk about like a get home bag uh, and gray man principles, for me personally, I would prefer a handgun for that situation. Uh, this was safety check before we started the the podcast. So all my safety, you know, folks out there, don't worry, this is empty. Uh, this is my own personal. You mean, you mean the hall monitors? All the hall monitors. Yep. All our hall monitor commenters. I appreciate it. Uh, But yes, this is an empty firearm. This is my own personal Glock 34. I use this for competition. Uh, This one, I wouldn't necessarily really like for a get home bag. I would want something a little bit smaller, maybe like a Glock 19 or a Glock 26. If you like a nine millimeter or pick whatever caliber you prefer, but I would want to be carrying concealed in that time frame, just because if there are people out there preying on other people, I don't want them to say, oh, he's got a gun. I want that gun. I'm going to go get him. I want to be as, as discreet as possible. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's a good point is that as soon as somebody sees that you have a gun, you're, they want you're a target because one thing that you can't do, no matter how good you are, no matter what your skills are, no matter how good of a shooter you are, you're not going to stand a chance against a mob. You'd be overwhelmed by numbers. And, no, you're and- absolutely, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, you know, Sam Colt said, you know, God made all men and, you know, Sam Colt made them equal. But uh, when there's more of them than you, uh, it's not a fair fight. You, it's better to avoid that situation than or just not get in it in the first place. And carrying concealed is a great way to at least have something so that if the worst should happen, you've got something there to protect yourself with, but you're not advertised. Yeah, I maybe for some of the people watching this that aren't familiar with the, you know, gray man principles, essentially uh, the idea is to be as inconspicuous as possible, you know, not, not to make yourself look like a high value target, not to be, you know, a force to be reckoned with or anything like that. So it's, there's a time and a place for everything. Right. So I, I know, I think we may have discussed actually on y'all's podcast, um, that the, in some situations, I actually think that open carry isn't a bad, bad thing. Like if, if you're a 
pretty muscular fit person and you're open carrying, there is an element of, you know, deterring people from, even if they have numbers on their side, nobody wants to be the first couple of guys in who gets, you know, high speed lead poison or anything like that. Um, but I think generally speaking, I would agree that gray man is the way to go and get home as inconspicuously and as fast as you possibly can. So you don't really want to look like Rambo. You know, you don't want a 12-inch fixed-blade knife on your hip. You don't want to be open carrying a gun. You, you, And many people believe you don't even want to be carrying anything that looks tactical, like a backpack or anything like that. So Yeah, I got, I got a couple bags here uh, to kind of give that demonstration. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, this is one. This is just a surplus, uh, just like a little scout pack. It would be a great size for like a get-home bag, but, I mean, it screams military. I mean, right. you've got your Molly webbing, you've got your you know, your military or um, excuse me, your Marine, your Marpat, uh, you know, digital camo. It's a great little bag. It's built really well, but it just kind of screams prepper. Uh, and that's that's the last thing we want, especially if we've we've identified the situation like, OK, it's going down. We need to get home as quick as possible. Um, that might be great, uh, you know, for if you're running a patrol or something like that and you want to look awesome and you want to look tough and you know have that presence like you were talking about earlier with open carrying like okay this is some dude i don't want to mess with but if we just want to get home as quick as possible we want to be as as in you know as invisible as we possibly can yeah that's a good choice of words yeah and so having something you know just like this i've used this bag for years it's just like a simple black and white puma backpack i picked it up for like 10 bucks at like tj maxx or something like that really it's well built it's going to do the job as long as i don't lay it down with like 30 pounds worth of gear which for a get home bag is going to be way too much in the first place right uh, but that will really help you give you like that urban camouflage you just look like some dude walking down the street who's got a backpack and you know depending on what city you live in that could be very commonplace so you're not going to scream hey i'm a prepper i've got right. stuff that you want yeah, that, yeah that's a good point um we've shown the bag behind me on our channel oh yeah this is cool right which is pretty neat. Um, and we're not an affiliate with Berna, by the way. So I'm not showing this babe because we want somebody to go click a link and buy it. We, we don't have any type of affiliate relationship with them. But one of the things I think they did really well with this bag, Chris, it doesn't look tactical at all. It just no, looks not like at all. A, a plain Jane book bag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's a handle on it here. So when you have it on your back, one hand, you can deploy it and it has essentially a plate carrier inside of it. That's three, a body armor in the front. And then the good bag itself still has three a in it as well, you know, which is good for up to 44 Magnum. So it's uh, Denny Chapman, who's our resident uh, subject matter expert on all things, firearms. He's very fast on the draw. And when we first got this bag from the time that he pulled it to deploy the front plate carrier and then had a holster attached to the molly on the front of the plate carrier, pulled his pistol and shot the iron. We're talking about 1.5 seconds ish sort of thing. It's, it's pretty impressive. And I really like the way, again, that burn has done this to be very, very inconspicuous. So uh, we will provide a link down below, but it'd just be a direct link to Berna. Again, we don't have a financial relationship or compensation with them, but every so often something like that comes along that gets our attention that it's like, oh, yeah. that's pretty darn nifty, you know? 
Dude, I love that. I, I think that's a great option for a get home bag. Not only does it give you some ballistic protection, but people aren't going to know you have it. Like if you're walking around with my, you know, my Marine scout bag, people are going to know you got something uh, yeah. with that. It's just like, you could be a courier. Uh, you know, it just looks like a little courier backpack that no one's going to be thinking about like, oh yeah, he's got that thing laden down with gear. And if you train with it enough, like you're talking about, like your SME, uh, you know, for all firearm stuff, that's a ridiculously fast draw stroke. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people are going to expect that. Yeah. I, we've got a couple of videos on our channel. One's a short and one's more of a feature length and it, it's 1.5 seconds from the time that Denny, you know, That's deployed awesome. the front carrier and then again, had a holster attached to them all. He pulled it and got his first shot on target. Um, granted, he's an exception to the rule. The guy's a national champion for crying out loud, but a really neat product. And um, I'm not sure if it's the burner or not, but there's a bag just like this that was uh, recently featured in John Wick 4. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. I saw that. That that was really cool too. I, yeah, I'm not sure if that's the burner or not, but it similar concept. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 smart. It's neat. It's innovative stuff, that's for sure. For sure. So we've got to the point where we we you know we have some water and probably mm -hmm. good idea to have some food, you know, like, sure. um, whether they be MREs or even, you know, just protein bars, something like that, for a little bit of sustenance. And you, you know, you've got a pistol so you can defend mm -hmm. yourself. Uh, let's just dive into that a little bit deeper because you all are experts, of course, in the ammunition at ammo.com. Sure. And I think I know the answer to this question, but I want to hear it from a professional. What caliber would you most recommend for somebody to have in their GHB bag and why? Uh, I think it really depends on you, what you're comfortable with and what you're proficient with. But I would recommend having something that's fairly common um, I mean, not to dog on 357 SIG, but not many people use it. It's not easy to find. If you have an ample supply of 357 SIG, I'm not volunteering to stand on the other end of it. But, right. you know, it, it's one of those things like you want to be able to make sure that you can acquire ammunition for it. So you could have like a 25 ACP and do the job. But if you can't find ammo for it, you know, once in a blue moon, it's not really good as a club. So my personal preferences are going to be nine millimeter, 40 and 45 ACP. And then if you're a revolver guy, 38, 357 are probably your best ones. Uh, you've got lots of different ammo choices with those very common calibers, uh, easy to find. And if you are at a point where you have in a barter economy, you might even be able to barter for ammo down the line if you need it. Those would be my preferences. Uh, and, but you know, if you have something that you love and you've got a ton of ammo for it, you know, rocket. Uh, if you shoot it well, that's the most important thing because shot placement really rules the day. Yeah. Uh, awesome answer, by the way. Um, Thank you. you. A whole layer deeper than what was rolling around in my head. But yeah, that's that's great advice on that front. So let's assume that we've had this event and mm -hmm. that uh, people have grabbed their GHB, their get home bag. Uh, they've got, you know, a pistol, they've got ammunition. Um, Hopefully they've been smart enough to keep a comfortable uh, pair of shoes or boots in their truck, oh, yeah. you know, so that they can get home. Uh, I know we've, we've on our channel, we've discussed a number of times. If you want to get shut down hard in a get home situation, you know, wear uncomfortable shoes where you end up oh, with yeah. blisters. And, you know, once you lose your feet, you're, you're cooked, you're Don't done. Worry. You know, I actually have a story about that. Would you like to hear this? It. Absolutely. So, I, I, this is a, a little, a little personal, but I actually met my wife in Ukraine many years ago before everything that yeah. happened. Yeah. And so 
I went there and they're very big on fashion, right? So I took my dress shoes with me and like my normal dress socks. But the other thing is, is they walk everywhere there. Uh, They do have public transport, but most of the time they're walking. My gosh, after the first couple of days, my feet were just in terrible shape because I was wearing dress shoes all the time and things like that. So if you think you're going to hoof like 16 miles in your dress shoes with thin, you know, dress socks, uh, you've got another thing coming because it is going to be a miserable 16 miles I could tell you from experience. <laughs> that that's a good story, Chris. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, when we get in the topic specifically of GHB bags, you know, we counsel people make sure you got comfortable footwear. Yeah. Um, if you're in dress attire because you're a business person, you know, have something a little bit more comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. khaki pants or something like that. Um, you know, a raincoat, poncho, something like that. That's more appropriate for getting home because. I know, uh, you know, I'm dating myself here, but I, I grew up with Walter Cronkite on the evening gotcha. news discussing v- Vietnam when I was mm-hmm. a kid. And I know a number of uh, Vietnam vets. And of course, with the climate there being so wet and humid, uh, it, it was one of the biggest threats that our troops faced, even more so than the, you know, the, the Viet Cong or North Vietnamese in that they would be saturated for days on end and they would end up with all sorts of infections in their feet and whatnot. And I mean, just to use the same from Texas, you lose your feet, you're as useless as tits on a bowl. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, As as Walter Cronkite would say, that's, and that's the way it is. Uh, So, you know, you got to take care of your feet in these situations and, you know, just having that extra pair of socks in your bag, isn't going to be that heavy. It's not going to add that much weight, but it could be the difference between life and death in that type of situation. Yeah. Even a handful of like blister packs, that sort of yep. thing. So that if you did, skin. Blister, you know, you can cover it up sort of thing, mm-hmm. bar that having some duct tape, you know, fix anything with duct tape. Right. But For sure. I mean, you got to make do with what you have. A hundred percent. Okay. So <clears throat> we're now at the point where we're, we've decided that we have to leave our vehicle for whatever reason. Maybe the roads are, are clogged. Maybe there's been an EMP. It shut down a bunch of vehicles that are EFI, electronic fuel injected. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we're on our way home and we get home. Uh, and that's where we're rendezvousing with our family. In, in your mind, what's the next order of business uh, to make sure that y- you and your family are are safe and can get through? What kind of period of time are we looking at that you feel is like the critical stage? You know, I think the first thing that I would do once I got home, of course, I'm going to make sure that my home is secure as possible and make sure all the doors are locked. I'm going to start putting things up in front of the windows if you have windows. I mean, I know some, you know, apartments are interior apartments where you don't have windows you have to worry about. So that could be a benefit. Also could be a detriment because you don't have an extra way out. But it's something to consider. You got to fortify those points of entry because, like you said, if we've made it home in, in less than a day, there's still going to be a lot of shock going on and people just like have the, you know, what the heck just happened thing going on. And you're going to have that time where you can start fortifying your castle. And so for me, I'm going to start, you know, covering all the windows, putting things in there. And I want to make my home look like it's not a castle. Uh, Really, you know, I want it, you can apply gray man principles to your home as much as you can to getting home. Uh, So, you know, just making it look like your house is either unoccupied or it's been looted or something like that. You can put old clothes out in the yard, even if you want some, you know, urban camouflage type stuff to just really make it look like no one's there and there's nothing worthwhile coming in for your house. But inside, of course, we're going to be making sure that, you know, we've got our areas covered, our points of, you know, entry need to be covered. And you want to try and actually build what they refer to in the military as, uh, 
you know, an ambush point or a choke point so that there's only one way in and you can have basically a, it's a nasty term, but a kill box, uh, you know, there in case somebody tries to break in and take what you have. After that, I'm going to start taking inventory of everything we've got. Uh, we need to pull all of our supplies together so we understand what the situation is and where we need to put our priority. You know, is our our food really low? Okay, we need to, you know, make sure that we have all that and we need to start rationing. Do we not have a lot of water storage? Did, did we not make it to Costco last week and I didn't buy my normal four cases of water? Okay, we're going to need to make sure we run out and start purifying some water. And I think uh, when you're building this plan, you know, have an idea of what you're going to do in each situation. It's like, okay, where is the water? What am I going to need to do to go get it? And if you have to go outside in a situation like that, having something to like carry your water really easy, just like a, one of these like little platypus, this is a Sawyer, but I know platypus makes them really lightweight, really inexpensive. You can just go in there, scoop the water up and get home as quick as possible. You don't want to filter on location because you're going to be exposed. You're just out there and people know that you're filtering water. It's going to be pretty obvious. So, you know, for me, I just want to take an inventory of everything that I have to get an idea of, okay, where are weak points and what do we need to focus on in the next couple of days uh, when things really start to get hairy. So I love the fact that you mentioned applying gray man principles to your house, right? So, yeah. You know, a lot of preppers, including ourselves, we've got stuff to prepare, um, you know, for an SHTF event like power stations and those sort of things. But realistically, um, you don't want to have lights turned on in your house because oh, yeah. it's like, you know, a big sign. Beacon. Hey, come and take my stuff. Yeah, beacon. Mm -hmm. great, great choice of words, number one. Number two, um, I love how you mentioned fortifying your house and, you know, Another way to think of it is creating what's called a fatal funnel yep, so that, so that wh whoever is trying to launch an attack on you has to traverse a fatal funnel where you have an extreme advantage over them. You know, God forbid that anybody finds themselves in that situation, of course, but you're the first person I've heard mention that in regards to like hunkering down during an SHTF event. Um, I think I'd add just one more thing and you touched on it is, you know, when you're taking an inventory of your food and water today, like right now at this particular point in time, the best thing that anybody can do is if they have any additional disposable income is to invest in water and food. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And so there's the obvious reason so that you mm -hmm. have it on hand if and when the shit hits the fan, but uh, the old Biden admin, has removed uh, fuel and food from the inflation numbers. So yep. now they're they're saying for the first time in whatever amount of time, we're at 5% inflation. Uh -huh. and that's a crock of BS. You know, oh, yeah. Inflation is probably more like 25%. But the reason I mention it is that there are very few things out there that you can buy that will have a 25% return on investment. So- oh, you know, stockpiling food and water is not only the smart thing to do to do as far as being prepared is concerned, but even if we don't have an SHTF event and you start utilizing those resources, those supplies you bought, you bought them for 25% less than what you could go buy them at the current time. So it, it makes financial sense as well. Um, so give me, give me your perspective on because everybody kind of has their own idea of these different timelines. So we've got home, we're hunkered down. We've got some supplies. We're, we're trying to be as inconspicuous as possible. How long do you have to stay in that state 
before you know you venture outside uh before you think it's safe to venture outside those sort of things it's it's a tough question it's probably unique to each situation but i really like to hear your thoughts on that yeah that is a tricky one to say the least and i think it really will depend on where you are like if you are in downtown chicago new york detroit one of these we'll just call them hard cities right uh, that have a lot of criminal elements, they're going to be out in force and they're going to be out in force quick. So you're not going to have a lot of time. I think you're going to have to wait at least a week, if not a little bit more, uh, if you can avoid it. That's the best case scenario. If you've got enough in your dwelling, whether that be like we're talking about, like, a, you know, even if you have a home in the downtown area uh, or if you have an apartment or something like that, at least a week minimum. But I think it's honestly going to be more in some of those hard areas. Uh like I mentioned earlier, like the whole Chaz and Chop thing, uh, you know, that lasted, you know, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of weeks uh, that they had to go through uh, that. And longer. yeah. And so it's like one of those things that, um, again, it will apply differently to different situations. If you live out in the country, you know, obviously you're going to have a lot more freedom as far as movement is concerned. Uh, but also you've got more territory you have to worry about. So there's there's trade offs on either one. For me, in my situation, like in the suburbs, I think you're going to have a little bit of time uh, before because I think most of the action is going to be in the city, in the urban environment before it spreads out to, to the suburbs and then it hits the country after that. Because I think in my mind, the way it's it would go down, of course, you're going to have danger in any situation. But I think if you live in the city, danger is going to be there really quick and you're going to have to be very clandestine when you're going out of your house to try and go forage for supplies or scavenge. Me personally, if I had to do that, I'm going to try and use the cover of darkness to do that because I think that if it's broad daylight out, uh, you just got a big target on you at that point. Um, I think that you need to have that and you want to have something quick that you can go just grab what you need. Like we're talking, I showed the, the water carrier or something like that. Just go in, scoop up your water, cap it, and run back home as quick as you can uh, because it's going to be pretty nasty in that urban environment for quite some time, in my opinion. Yeah, so I apologize. That was, you know, somewhat of a sideways question. I, no, it's okay. I, I've been asked the question myself, and I, I don't know that there's, a, you know, a definitive answer. No, but my, my opinion is, is stockpile as much as you possibly can at this point in time yep. so that you can hunker down for the maximum amount of time. So, oh, yeah. you know, there's some people out there who are leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else when it comes to prepping for some sort of event that basically, you know, they have a bunker that they're going to go into today and they're not going to come back out of for 12 months. And, you know, I think at the 12 month point, if we had something like a nuclear war, we were, you know, an EMP strike put us back in the stone ages. Mm -hmm. I would venture to guess that there wouldn't be a whole lot of survivors 12 months later. I think that they did the EMP commission did this. And I think they said that within a 12 month period, we would lose somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of the population. Uh, so it, it definitely at that point, I mean, if you have that ability in that financial situation where you can you know, build a bunker yourself or, you know, pay somebody some exorbitant fee uh, to put one on your property, then kudos to you. Uh, you've done well. Uh, congrats. Uh, but for the rest of us, uh, myself included in that, um, you know, we're going to have to make do above ground here uh, for the most part. Yeah. And, you know, being as discreet as possible during that time frame is probably going to be the key to your survival. Like you said, staying in your dwelling, your castle, as long as you can before you have to venture out 
is always going to be the better situation because you have control of that space. Uh, you know, they talk about, uh, I remember the old like Magpul dynamics, you know, talking about your workspace and things like that, you know, bring your pistol into your workspace where well, your home is your workspace too. You know where your fatal funnels are in your home. You've got that set up. You've got that covered. So, you know, the longer you can stay there and the more secure you can make that, the better your chances are. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I was just thinking, you know, you started today's conversation, you know, by referencing John Ramble and mm-hmm. that, that, you know, super skilled, you know, one man wolf, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, yeah, the lone wolf. survive on their own. Yeah. Um, one of a great piece of advice that I've heard a number of people mention in our community is to get back to where we were before, as far as having a good rapport with your neighbors. Oh yeah. Um, you know, uh, a friend of ours, Mike Sterling, he's an EOD, you know, guru, if not recognized as, you know, one of the best in America, one of the best in the world. And he made some points that, you know, when you um, have a rapport with your neighbors, you discover a lot of things, you know, uh, who's going to actually be able to contribute to, to your small community, as far as, you know, being able to protect your group, strength in numbers, of course, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who's not going to be able to contribute anything and taking that into account. Uh, yeah. we, one of our influencers, Steve, and he's, he's got his own channel as well. Anything outdoors with Steve. We had a off the record conversation on this. And he said that one of the hardest things that he's had to get his head wrapped around is that if we have some life altering SHTF event, how do you handle friends and family that come to your door with their hat in their hand? They felt you were a tinfoil hat conspiracist and now they need help but you have enough resources for your immediate family um how do you deal with that and i don't have an answer to that because you know i I, and i think unless you're in that situation the vast majority of us have enough humanity that you would do everything you could to save a fellow human being especially family but by the same token i know some pretty hardcore preppers where they've already laid the groundwork in advance and told their family who refuses to, to prep or anything don't come here if it happens because I don't have enough for you. Yeah, that's a really difficult situation. And it's it's one of those questions that it's impossible to really answer ahead of time because, like you said, it's really hard to turn away friends and family, especially people that you know that, you know, maybe they just, you know, they had a different upbringing and they, they weren't thinking as freely as they could, otherwise known as tinfoil hatting like you and I can do. Right. Uh, but uh you know, it's one of those things that's hard to just say, no, hit the bricks. Uh, you know, you didn't prep, you had your chance. It's really tough. So, I mean, in that situation, if if I were in that situation, what I would do is I would have something set aside a little bit, you know, just kind of like a charity bucket or something like that. Um, I know that that's extra burden on you, but at least you give them something. If they If you can't help if you can't take them into your community or your place you can at least like here's here's a backpack there's like food cooking oil water filter stuff like that um and it doesn't have to be you know expensive food you can put a zip or not zip like a a vacuum sealed pack of rice in there uh you know some cooking oil maybe a couple little things of spices and a water filter like i i can't keep you here i'm sorry here's this this will at least get you somewhere where you can go uh that can take you in but i just don't have the resources so at least you would feel some, you know, empathy. You could help them out a little bit. Uh, and, you know, you wouldn't feel like so bad. It's just like, oh, you know, F off because you didn't prep. Uh, so, I mean, that's how I would do it. 
Um, I'm kind of in the mindset. It's like, I know which friends and family are going to probably be coming. So I'm kind of trying to get ahead of the curve as far as that's concerned with my preparedness as, as far as that's concerned. But yeah, that's going to be a really tough situation for a lot of people, especially in an urban environment where, you know, you don't necessarily have a lot of storage space. And I think that's a real big issue for a lot of urban dwelling folks is that you just don't have that storage space in your apartment like I do here in my home in the suburbs or, you know, where you're at, you've got, you know, different places you can store stuff. You can get your five gallon buckets and your Mylar bags. You can stick them in the closet. Whereas if you're in an apartment, uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult to do that type of bulk storage and even prep for other people as well. So uh, now for the second time, I'm going to say this is that uh, you're the first person who's ever made a suggestion that there's a middle ground between come on in, you know, yep. we'll help you or, you know, get lost. Yeah. Pound uh, sand, right? Yeah. But I uh, had never considered that option that you, you know, have a charity, you know, uh, stash bag, whatever the case may be. That That's pretty brilliant. Chris. I had can tell you, I honestly never considered that. But as you were mentioning that, I was thinking to myself, there was a, a video that I saw yesterday and it was some young girl sitting on a subway in, in some major state. I don't remember which one. And this guy started demanding that everybody on this train give them his phone or their phones. And so as you know, all these people are handing over their phones, this girl, she has her phone. She kind of slipped it in between the cushion uh, the seat beside her and when the guy showed up she reached in her bag and handed him an old you know basically an antique smartphone like flip phone. Yeah. it wasn't on the network it was decommissioned sort of thing and there was a short story that went with it basically said that things are getting so bad in this particular city and i don't know chicago maybe mm -hmm. uh, that people who ride the subway are now carrying decoy phones with them and I had a friend years ago who was a, a long haul semi driver and whenever he got into urban centers um, and people would, you know, climb up the side of his rig and at gunpoint demand his wallet and stuff like that. He had a fake wallet that oh, nice. had, you know, expired credit cards and, you know, a little bit of money in it. So it kind of looked legit and stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just to get them to go away. So just to kind of tie this back in. So when you were mentioning some sort of charity, bag or gift or whatever i i think there's also a lot of value in that you know preparing for a situation where somebody breaks into your home for whatever reason they know that you're a prepper or they've spotted something they've smelled food cooking yep. whatever the case may be that having additional stashes of stuff not for the charity part but for yourself so somebody you know is going to take something, go ahead, take it. And once they leave, you have, you still have something left over is probably a, a good idea as well. Well, I mean, I think one of the tenets of preparedness is, you know, two is one and one is none. So, you know, and not, then that goes hand in hand with don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, when I was talking about taking an inventory and kind of getting everything together, I think initially you want to do that. But I think once you have an inventory, you know exactly what you've got. You're going to want to spread it back out in your home, have it in different locations. So like you said, if something like that does happen, like here, take it, go. Everything's it's cool, man. Whatever you need, uh, just take it. Leave us be. Leave us be in peace. We won't you know, cause you any trouble. And then you still have 90 percent of your, you know, your preps hidden away in different locations. Uh, you know, that can really be a, a lifesaver as well, just to make sure that you don't run out and you don't get, you know, taken. 
So we're kind of getting a little bit off the the path of today's subject, but here's something yeah. else that's kind of interesting. It's worth mentioning. So I have a friend, his name's Howard Murray, and um, he he his brain never turns off. He's always trying to you know think of solutions for mm-hmm. common problems and whatnot. So he came up with this product. It hasn't been officially released yet, but the website is live. But he's not taking orders yet or anything for this thing he calls the dirty man. And okay. so it's, it's a piece of SDR pipe, sewer, sewer drainage run pipe that has, cause it has a thick wall on it, like mm-hmm. a thick wall sort of thing. And, you know, has a, has a lid on it that uh, completely seals everything inside. And what you do is, is you, you know, dig a spot in your yard or wherever, and you set this guy in place called the dirty man, you set it in place then there's a sleeve that goes over top of it. And then on the top of the sleeve is a rope or chain that has a T handle on it. And you just kind of coil it up and set it on the top of this upside down cylindrical sleeve. And then you put the dirt back over top of it. So somebody searching with a, you know, um, metal detector is probably not going to find it a good, good place to store valuable things that, you know, you wouldn't want somebody to be able to steal if you had a B&E or you had a home invasion, that sort of thing. So then the idea is that, you know, when you go to retrieve it, you dig the dirt up and you grab that T handle and you pull it up and the entire sleeve comes out and leaves the dirty man canister sitting there. So you can That's just cool. get out of the ground. It really interesting solution. I mean, necessity is the mother of all invention. And just as yeah. you were mentioning kind of stashing stuff, it just came to mind. Like this is a pretty new product for Howard and he's getting ready to officially launch it. And he's got, you know, three different sizes of the dirty man. And nice. uh, I think he came up with one that's, that's quite a bit, you know, substantially bigger. So you could even get a firearm in it and whatnot. Oh, wow. And and I think, he, I think the biggest one he came up with uh, is called the dirty old man. You know, <laughs> so there's a dirty man, a dirty old man. That's even bigger. Um, I love it. Yeah. Pretty funny. I mean, if nothing else, the name will probably stick with people. So oh, before, yeah. before we wrap up, Chris, any other uh, words of advice for everybody out there in survival dispatch world, as far as prepping for urban SHTF? I think the the best thing that we can emphasize is the time to prep is now. I mean, there's so much going on in the world right now. If you're not aware of everything happening and all the wheels that are turning right now, and you're not at least a closet prepper, uh, I got to ask you, what have you been watching? Because right now I'm in like high, high gear mode. I'm like, let's, let's start getting put things put together because it's getting kind of hairy out there. I'm not saying that anything's going to happen. Of course, none of us know the future, but you know, we have the resources and the ability to prepare now. And like you were talking about earlier with the food inflation's not going anywhere, but up at this point. So it's, if you want to justify it in your mind as an investment in the future, I think that's a great way to look at it because if food continues to go up the way it is, uh, that food that you bought now for you know five dollars is going to be ten dollars in in a couple of years at this rate. You just saved yourself a hundred percent on your food bill, and you can always dip into that if you need it if times get tough. So I think that you know the time is now. Don't wait. Start working and start doing little things every week. I think that that's the biggest thing. I know that when you look at prepping as a whole, it can be very overwhelming. You're like, oh, I've got to go get a homestead and I've got to, you know, build a garden and I've got to, you know, dig a bunker in the backyard and stuff like that. I got to get my get home bag together and stuff like that. Start with little things. 
get like, you know, like we're talking earlier, like just grab the seal cock key real yeah. quick uh, and stick it in the bag. Get, get yourself a Jan Sport or even that backpack you were showing there, the tactical backpack, uh, you know, just throw it in there. Start putting little things together because when you take little steps, you can go a long way. Uh, it, as long as you consistently take those steps every month, every paycheck. So just, you know, set aside 10, 20 bucks, every paycheck, pick something up that you need, uh, whether it be food, you know, water purification, personal protection. Uh, of course, if you need bulk ammo, we've got it at ammo.com. Uh, it's a great way to save as preppers. We all like buying in bulk, right? Uh, because that saves you money in the long run. Yeah. So one of the hardest lessons I've learned is that, and one of my mentors taught me this is that perfection is the enemy of progress. So my, my personal preference is to make sure that something's absolutely perfect before I deploy it or undertake it or whatever the case may be. And then, then you're kind of like a deer frozen in the headlights when it comes to stuff like prepping, you don't have to check all the boxes at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's just, just get the process going. And then before we wrap up, I just wanted to circle back on something like you mentioned, you know, time is the most valuable resource in the world. It's the only thing that can't be bought or replaced, you know? So you have a family, you have work, you have a house to look after all those sort of things, hard to find time to acquire skills. And, you know, it's, it's important though, that we do acquire whatever skills we possibly can in the event that the world, as we know, it ceases to exist. So we had a, a gentleman approach us not too long ago. Jason Roberts is his name. And he wrote a book. It's, it's like around 90 pages long called empty handed Odin. And in this, he chose Odin because, uh, you know, the, the Norse God Odin, mm-hmm has the ability to do all sorts of things, you know, like lightning and so on and so forth. But essentially his book is acquiring and utilizing primitive survival skills in a modern world. So super nice guys on the same mission that survival dispatch is on our job at survival dispatch, first and foremost, bar none is to do our very best to disseminate information. So our fellow Americans not only survive in very uncertain times, but can actually thrive. So the reason I mentioned this, this, this book is I, I wasn't entirely clear what he was asking of survival dispatch. So I said to him, are, are you asking us, you know, to put this on our e-com store? Are you asking us to make it available as a free download? Like what, what, what would you like to see happen? And he came back and he said, no, I want to get this book in as many people's hands as possible and not for monetary purposes. If you could make it a free download on your website, I'd really appreciate it because I just want to share information for, with people. Awesome. So they have this resource. So we actually just threw it up on the website today. And wow. under the store link, it's the very first option. Uh, Primitive survival skills for modern times is what it's called. And, and it's a free download. And we didn't put it on the website till we read through it. And there's some information in it that, you know, I thought I kind of, you know, knew some stuff and boy, I'll tell you what, he taught me some lessons. He's, he's got a section in there, Chris, where he took old CDs and flipped them upside down, ran wire around them and turned it into a solar array. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. It is. And that's, that's his whole thing. So you don't have to acquire any expensive stuff. It's really empty handed. Odin means you've, you've got nothing, you, and, yeah. but here's how you make, stone soup for lack of a better term right you don't have to have all these things if you have the knowledge you can make that stuff happen so i am going to mention it you know i have already mentioned it but i'm going to mention it again it's a free download on survivaldispatch.com just go to the menu click on store you'll see it's the very first one 
pretty darn good book. And even if somebody doesn't read it right away to have a PDF, you know, mm-hmm. that is accessible if and when the grid goes down and the network goes down with it, it's a pretty valuable resource. And uh, kudos to yeah. Jason Roberts for making that available uh, for free. Dude, I'm going to go get it today. That sounds awesome. Right on. Okay. Well, listen, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on Survival Dispatch News. Um, love what you guys are doing at ammo.com. Yeah, it's a shameless plug, but uh, fair enough. Well, I mean, you, you said it bulk, right? Like bulk mm-hmm. all purchases, the, the prices are right, prices are good, the, the quality of, of ammo is good. And uh, we don't have an affiliate relationship, correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So I just like to get that out there because there's always a, a keyboard warrior. You know, uh-huh. so promoting something because we're getting rich off it. <laughs> Nothing could be yeah. further from the truth. We have no affiliate relationship, but we do business with people that we like to do business with that we feel bring, you know, value to the table. And I probably business is the wrong word because we don't do business with each other. We just share some common goals and are trying to Definitely. get information out. But Definitely. once again, appreciate it, Chris. Uh, for everybody else out there in survival dispatch land, if you could like, comment, share, subscribe, it helps us tremendously with the algorithm. And we appreciate you following survival dispatch news. Over and out, Chris. See you. Thanks for having Today's me. Today's video is brought to you by Nutrient Survival. This is a really cool company. Uh, there's a ton of information on their website. They have a patented freeze drying process for all their stuff. They have very delicious menus. Uh, they have three to 90 day survival packs. Of course, you can buy individual packs. Here I have some awesome lasagna. We've tried it here at Survival Dispatch and we love it. It's nutrientsurvival.com. And as always, we'll have a link below. To the-